0: It is spectacular bid. Franklin whacks him with a whip, and he draws out to lead it by
1: four. Lot of gold is going to be second. The way this race is going to end. It is spectacular bid. Coming to the line with his ears pricking.
0: Bull, he draws
2: away in hand under Mike Smith, Valiant Nature second, nearing the wire, it's Holy Bull winning the Bluegrass by three lengths. Final furlong of the Toyota
0: Bluegrass, General Quarters has the advantage, Hold Me Back is coming late, General Quarters and Abarcoa Koa spring the upset in the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes. Good magic to the front of the field in the Toyota Bluegrass the
2: the leader past the 16th pole he has the advantage out to five lengths back to some like a hot ground signalman then win 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 it is the for javier castellano and trainer george weaver welcome to the auxiliary gate podcast a weekly discussion about kentucky horse racing and handicapping and now here are your hosts cc broadis alan schneider and brandon jaggers All right, welcome back to Episode 8 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm C.C. Broadus, and I'll be joined today, as always, by my two good friends. First, the father figure of Fern Creek, Mr. Alan Schneider.
0: I guess that does describe me. I appreciate that. Thank you.
2: And the mayor of St. Matthews, Mr. Brandon Jaggers.
1: I retired, and I'm collecting a pension. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Good for you.
2: Brandon, you're, you're a big bull, and you're sitting in your pasture. <laughs> all right, all right, guys. So uh, last week win was, uh, was a was a big one. Uh, two big races at Belmont: the Met Mile and the Suburban, plus uh, two other turf stakes. Uh, the Met Mile was won by Vacoma, who was basically on the lead or close to the lead all the way throughout, and you know he he went on to win fairly impressively. Uh, it was a good Grade One score. He was a he was the winner of the Bluegrass Stakes last year, and then he ran the Derby on that sloppy track and it knocked him out. And he came back. Uh, this is his third win on the year, and um, he, you know, this horse is he's riding a high right now. And he beat uh, beat horses beat, beat good horses like Coat of Honor, uh, and a few others. Uh, Vacoma ran a buyer of 104 in that in that spot. It was a big effort, and he's likely to go on to the Whitney. Where he'll meet up against uh, Code of Honor again, and hopefully Tom's Detail and Midnight Bisou. So this is going to be uh, a rousing rendition of the Whitney for sure. Uh, Alan, uh, you you watched Vacoma win. Uh, what are your thoughts on 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 the big son of uh, Candy Ride? You know, I,
0: I I admit I I think I've undersold Vacoma a little bit over the last year or so. Uh, the horse is very accomplished, and you know it's it's the paddling action <laughs> that he's so renowned for that I probably undersold him. But that race, a good example of how dominant he was in that race, how good an effort that was. Uh, network Effect was in the pocket uh, most, of, most of the way, got a dream trip, tipped out. And if you watch horse racing enough, you'll know that when a horse tips out after sitting in the pocket, uh, they have a tendency to run that leader down, and he could not make up any ground of a coma. It was a good effort by Network Effect, good effort by c- Code of Honor. But uh, when they tip out like that, and they try in vain to catch the front runner, and he just keeps going. That's why you get the 104 buyer, and that's why I need to start giving Bacoma more credit personally.
2: Brandon uh, Tacitus finally broke through and won the Suburban fairly easily. You now there's was a, a, a weakish field; there wasn't a whole lot in there. Yeah. He did earn a buyer of 100, but uh, this horse is—he's everybody's uh, favorite punching bag. I mean, he—he—he he, he gets a lot of grief, but. You know, some of these uh, efforts he's put in as a three-year-old last year, a lot of those weren't his fault. I mean, he was stuck five wide in the Belmont Stakes, ran a huge race to finish second to Sir Winston there, and I think he stumbled in the Jim Dandy, coming out of the gate, it was a pretty bad stumble, and he still finished second there. But uh, you know, on his day, I think Belmont suits him. It's a it's a big track, and he's got a big big stride. But uh, what do you expect out of Tacitus going forward?
1: I, I just, I, where do they point him from here? I mean, I, I definitely think he got a great trip. He didn't have much competition. I thought maybe in that race. Mott uh, says
2: that, uh, Bill Mott is on record saying he's either going to go to the Whitney or the Woodward at Saratoga. Now, I think the Woodward yeah. this year, is a mile and a quarter. So that race might suit him a little bit better.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, he's bred for distance. I think, uh, depending on who enters and, and maybe he'll catch the same kind of field again, you know, up North. So. Uh, well positioned. It was a good run. The entire race was a great race by Tacitus. He deserved to win. It's it's been a long time, and so it was great to see him in the winner's circle.
2: All right, we're about eight weeks from the Kentucky Derby, and we've always got a little room for some Kentucky Derby talk. There was uh, several preps since we last um, talked, and uh, one of them was the Los Alamitos Derby over the weekend. That was won by Uncle Chuck for Bob Baffert. He beat a field of four. Had three rivals. Uh, he only earned a buyer of 94, but that was just his second start, and he's he's undefeated in those two starts. But uh, Baffert hinted that he's either going to stay at Del Mar for the Shared Belief Stakes, or he's going to ship him across country for the Travers. You know, this guy he's probably got some upside with just two starts under his belt. He's a half brother to McLean's Music, and that's the uh, that was the heralded sire of the Preakness winner uh, from a few years ago, Cloud Computing uh there's a lot of a lot of good horses in this guy's pedigree the only problem is you know he, he the family's a little bit on the brittle side they don't make a whole lot of starts so it's hard to know what's what he's going to do next i mean obviously there's a lot of a lot of room for improvement so you know in two months baffert might be able to get this uh get this horse uh you know into the derby and uh if he does i think he, he may have a he may have a shot at uh doing some damage in there so uh also last night was the indiana derby and that was won by shared sense and he defeated major fed major fed again had bad luck he, he broke slowly kind of got pinched back and had to make his rally about five wide coming off the turn and and you know i think the damage was done at that point he, he shared sense went on to uh to win the race fairly handily shared sense only got a buyer of 92 for that effort uh wow. my cons- yeah my concern for this horse going forward, you know he, he's he's made several starts. I don't know in two months. I don't know if he can uh, improve enough to uh, to factor in the Derby, but we'll see. Brandon, you watched the race. What did you think?
1: Yeah, when he came from home, I think he got a little greener, just kind of distracted as to what he was supposed to do in the end, and which slowed him down. And then you know the great ride there got him back on task and was able to set him down and and take him for home. So. Uh, you know when Brad Cox is up there and he's got good good entries, I, you know if you can box him in three races or you know a pick three single single single, or you know just a nice double, uh, I think you're going to do okay. And that and that proved proved right yesterday. So uh, there might be some upside there. We'll see. When he when he regathered himself in the stretch coming home, he he definitely improved like a, another second level that he had but still still needs to go a little bit further, so we'll see what happens.
2: And the last race we want to cover on our road to the Derby, uh, it wasn't very long ago we were talking about the heralded Cafe Faro, who we thought might might make a trip over from Japan, possibly you know, have a shot to contend in the Derby. But uh, a few nights ago or a few mornings ago, they ran the <laughs> Japan Dirt Derby uh, on, on the other side of the world, and, and Cafe Faro finished off the board. And I believe that race was at 10 furlongs, and he didn't show a whole lot. You know, it's possible that he could have bounced off the big effort last time, but uh, that, wasn't, uh, that wasn't exactly uh, what we wanted to see out of a Kentucky Derby contender. Right. No, the, the race was won by another son of American Pharaoh. It was Dannon Pharoah, who is, of course, a, a son of American Pharaoh, and that's his first grade one winner. So, you know, we may see, uh, we may see another Pharaoh uh, make the trip across, the, across the country. Uh, Alan, did you see the race or, or I, I did not see it. I
0: did read about it.
2: Uh, it was very disappointing by, uh, by our, our Japanese crush Cafe Pharaoh. but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe we'll see him somewhere, somewhere down the road. Maybe, maybe a mile is, is more, uh, maybe one mile would suit him. Uh, hard to believe a-
0: american feral that's his first gr- a group one grade one winner that that's a surprising stat but you know there's more yeah, in the future
2: i thought i read that but american Pharaoh sired uh, the horse that won the breeders cup juvenile turf sprint right was that four-wheel drive yeah, is that not, not a great one?
0: one no it's not a great not yet i doubt it will be uh, it's great i believe it's graded, but the juvenile sprint's a new race and i don't think they've they haven't uh, made it uh that high of a caliber race yet
2: before we get into ellis i have to to, to do a mea culpa or an apology for uh, i touted mrs danvers as the next big thing on one of our podcasts recently and and she returned today at two to five in a allowance race going one mile and she she was really awful uh she she missed the break uh spotted the field maybe a couple links and then uh, she she gradually made a move, try to get into contention, but she she had nothing. She was really ranked down the backstretch. It was not a good effort. Uh, I I pegged this filly as a, as having a big shot to go to the Kentucky Oaks and maybe have a chance to win the race, but she is uh, she was awful today. So it's it's pretty clear that she's going to need some more work. Uh, with that said, let's go to uh, review Ellis over the weekend. I want to talk about Mitchell Road. Mitchell Road won the Ellis Park Turf Stakes on Sunday. Now this this filly she's been around a while. I uh, she's she's a nice mare. She's a half to country house. Help me out here, Alan. Did did she stalk or lead early?
0: Uh, she stalked. The uh, Michelle Lavelle uh, front runner got, got the lead in there as she sat off. Got the good got the good trip. The Lavelle horse hung on pretty well for third. But yeah, Mitchell rode, uh stalked and then went by and didn't go by easily. She never looked like she's gonna uh, lose the race, but. Uh, Again, the race became a little emaciated with a couple of scratches of some serious contenders like Sister Hanan. So that left Mitchell Road as as the horse to beat by by all accounts, Uh, but was a little pressured late by the Matt Shearer horse, and I have a hard time remembering the name of that horse. But he did stalk and did did, did win fairly easily, but not the way we used to see Mitchell Road win. Let's put it that way.
2: Right. Yeah, like I said, this is this Philly's a half sister to Country House who won the uh, Kentucky Derby last year off the disqualification. Going back and looking at that card the day before, you guys gave out some winners, I believe. It was uh We did late in the card. Uh, yeah, then Alan, your single came in race eight. That was sky ride. But that yep. one that leads us to our conversation here in race nine. I know on my ticket I had I believe there's maybe twelve horses in the race, and I know I had eight on my ticket and I did not use the winner who went off 45 to one Benelux for the Chris Davis. <laughs> and so that, that's our question for the week. Basically what, uh, when should you hedge? Should you hedge on a, on a big pick four ticket like this? I've, I've read that you actually shouldn't hedge uh, guys. What do you think? Alan? I mean, uh, if, I know you hedged in this spot. I believe, I think you bet a little bit on that 45 to one shot. Is this uh is yeah. this something you need to, you you like to do um
0: hedging is it's one of the more controversial takes in uh, horse playing i believe it's a situational thing that sounds like a cop out
2: well it's, i agree with you i agree you're a, right
0: it's a situational thing it depends on a lot of factors it depends on the potential payout how much you have invested who you have covered who you don't have covered who scares you um i can give you a couple instances real quick um kind of highlight this point. I know you have a great uh, non hedge story from a few years back that you might get yeah. into, but uh, yep. at Churchill, I believe it was uh, about three or four weeks ago, uh, put together a very small pick five ticket for like $25. It was nothing had two singles on it. They both came in. And so I was alive to seven of nine horse six of eight or seven of nine in the last leg. Now at this point I felt I only had two horses not covered and they both had a chance. They both had serious chances. So looking at the minimum payouts, I think the, the slightest payout was four or five, six hundred dollars with a maximum of maybe three or four thousand. I did not see the reason why I should not hedge with those two horses. One was forty to one, the other was nine or ten to one. At the very least, hedge enough to reward my good handicapping from earlier. But in addition, at least get back the minimum payout. Of the uh, lowest remaining horse that I actually did have in my ticket, so I bet ten, I think ten dollars on the forty-to-one shot, twenty dollars on the ten-to-one shot. Um, the forty-to-one shot won, so it sounds like I threw money, it may have been throwing money away. That said, only two horses. I knew I was going to guarantee myself a sizable profit. It wasn't a huge investment to begin with, wasn't a huge investment to to hedge. I had no problem with that. It actually worked out fairly well. The other way, though, um, I think I was alive in the, the Fort Ellis on, I want to say Saturday or Sunday, but I only had three horses. There were 10 horses in a race. Uh, I didn't like anybody enough to hedge, so I just rolled the ticket. I did not win. Uh, the winner paid three to one. That wasn't worth the hedge to me. You see, I only had three of the 10. The payouts weren't crazy good so in that case i I didn't hedge it's a situational thing and there's a lot of factors that go into it but i i think a lot of the people that say they are against hedging maybe fibbing a little bit i bet they hedge a lot of times i just want to acknowledge it
2: yeah i've got two examples of times where i where i did hedge and i didn't hedge uh the first one was at ellis park i actually uh I got down to the end of a pick four sequence and I think maybe there was like seven or eight horses in the race. And I think I had five of them covered. And, uh, I think I bet $20 to win on, on the two or three I didn't have wound up hitting the hedge and that paid more than what the pick four was going to pay. Exactly. So, you know, I'm glad I hedged in that situation. Now the, the the time I didn't hedge, I was alive. This was, uh, roughly 10 years ago at Churchill. It's one of those,
0: I remember.
2: we'll get into this, uh, on our bad beat uh, day, when we when we talk about bad beats, but I'll, I'll just make this short and sweet. I, I was alive to nine of the eleven horses in the pick four to end the to end the uh, sequence. Uh, the, the lowest was going to pay twelve hundred. The highest was going to pay sixty thousand. I had ten of the eleven. Or excuse me. I had nine nine of the eleven. One of the two I didn't have scratched going to the gate. So now I had nine of the ten. I had no money <laughs> in my my telephone account and I decided, you know what this 10, uh, this 10th horse has no shot. She was 50 to one first time starter 50 to one. And, uh, they, they busted out of the gate and she went wire to wire 50 to one and the pick four paid $50,000. I remember. I remember. Yep. Yep. It was uh, it was a bad day for me. Cause all I had to do was if I just dropped 25 to win on her, I don't, I don't want a thousand dollars and it would right. have been fine. I, but I, I'll, I will take that story to my grave uh, so you know Brandon uh where do you fall on the uh, on the hedging
1: huh. it's it's interesting it just depends on the science of of how you construct your tickets and if you make it to the end on pick fours and pick fives well, who's your herder? You try to identify the horse or two that could possibly impact your payout now, if the wheel pays are small, I'm not gonna hedge right small meaning several hundred dollars just let it go um. You know, but if it's a few thousand dollars, I might put 50 or 100 to win on the horse that I feel the most compelled about. Is that a perfect hedge? No, because you you never know what's going to happen in that last sequence of some last pick four or pick five. I'll tell you what I do do, though, is I always like to mimic two tickets now. On pick fours. I might cover quite a bit of horses on a pick four, I might have an expensive ticket of $100 or so, but then I like to go through and identify who my longest shots are in those sequences and make sure they're on my, what I play as a skinny ticket. And, you know, definitely have a single or two within that ticket. So it it wounds out to be maybe, a, you know, $25, $24 or less. You know, it's, that's kind of what I identify as maybe a hedge to a bigger ticket that, you know, sometimes stays alive with the big ticket or, you know, the big ticket gets taken down, but yet I spread in a couple sequences where I never would have in the other, in the other big tickets. So, you know, people always ask me that stuff and I, I'm hot or cold about it. It just depends on really my attitude for the day and how the the last race is going. You know the sequences, the way you can play doubles, the way you can play, you know, pick threes. Uh, you know, I've I've learned just not really that often to put win win bets in the last race on a horse I never included, especially if I was four or five or six deep in the last race. So uh, it's always a good discussion. It's always a, a brain, uh, you know just think all around it, you know, before you only get 25 minutes to really decide. So, mm-hmm. uh you know, I, I tend to not I already had enough out for the day. Let's call it a day. And hopefully we, <laughs> we come on with a winner.
2: I think we kind of agree though. It's a situational thing. I mean, I don't know if there's any right answer to this, but, uh, now that I'm, uh, now that I've had to recall my, uh, my worst beat in, in, in my lifetime, I, <laughs> I'm I'm sufficiently annoyed now. That leads us to our next uh, next discussion, uh, and we could probably talk for hours about this. But uh, what annoys you in the racing game? What what? Either if you're at the track or at home or whatever. What Brandon? What uh, what annoys you the most?
1: Well, I came prepared for this topic, and really, it just came right <laughs> off my pen like I was writing paragraphs at a time. Uh, so I'm going to go in depth here that I feel like every track lacks high definition, high definition photo finishes. I never can see a really great photo finish. One, They don't even post it. They never even post it sometimes when it comes down to a wire, they don't freeze frame it. The quality is poor. I think sometimes the line doesn't seem straight. I mean, call me crazy, I mean, I've, I've won a bet one time where I thought I totally lost. And it <laughs> looks like the horse lost, but, you know, I won somehow. And it was some, you know west you know, West Coast track or something. I'm not going to tell you which track. The other thing is poor camera angles. Why do you always have a stationary camera and you don't really get any inside photos from, from the inside of the track when they run dirt or turf? You go to Europe they'll have the car out there and you can watch them. I mean, really heads on. I love that angle. I don't like it coming home from the stretch, but there's definitely better angles that can, that can happen. Uh, And then just more transparency. Why can't you show the betting public how much the house is really raking out of each pool? Just show us. You can do the math. You can back into it, but it's not easy. And I don't really want to do it while I'm there because I'm there for entertainment and fun or, Nowadays, I'm in my you know house, so yeah, maybe I'm a little cabin fever about it. But (laughs) you know, at least show what the house rakes in. We can all do the math at the end of the day what the total handle was. But then each you know the betters need to know, just like you play like keno. If you flip over a keno slot you know ticket, it shows you you know the odds of winning, the percentages of payouts, and things like that. And I know, I know, paramutual wagering is not like that, but it is a pool, and they subtract out of the pool per each bet. You know, identify that really clearly, and don't put it in the back pages of a program that no one gets anymore because they bet from
0: home. Good points. Good points. Yeah, that's
2: that's really good, Brandon. What about you, Alan? I I, I can't imagine that you would be unhappy with any any type of racetrack experience.
0: Um, I'm generally a pretty easygoing guy and stuff. Um, Since when? when <laughs> when it comes to racing i uh, that said a couple things that annoy me off the top of my head is and I, i've mentioned this numerous times with when racetracks will isolate on the winner down the stretch and not show the also rans. it annoys me to no end um a horse draws out by five lengths and then there's a pack of horses behind um Second, third, fourth, and they isolate on the winner, and then you don't know who eventually gets up for those minor. You know, a lot of us bet it exotics, and then when they show the replay, they will replay. I know Gulfstream does this quite a bit off the top of my head. Isolate the winner as the winner hits the wire; he's eight lengths clear, and then will not show the horses behind who finished second, third, fourth, or fifth. I'll, I'll never understand why they do that uh, personally. Um, I'll be honest with you; that's probably my that's probably my biggest thing, and on uh, so maybe um, I don't know, people aren't happy for other people that win. You know, I think you should always be uh, considerate and, um, you know, it, it's a fun game. So you try to learn and, and be happy for other people when they when they score and, and try to learn from them at all times. I'm always I'm always learning. And I've been doing this for a long time. So to top of my head, that's that's really all I got there, pal. Uh,
2: well, you know, now that you mentioned that, yeah, there, there's something we need to talk to our listeners about. If if a buddy or somebody nearby is is if you're at the racetrack and and somebody you know is alive to a big ticket, you don't don't bet the race. You just don't bet the race. You just yeah. right unless you unless you're going to hit a big one yourself. Yeah, you know. And I had a I, Alan. You and I were at Ellis Park when you were alive to a horse. Uh, I can't remember, but it was a it's you were alive horse to. Deal
0: yeah it was five horse
2: well my girlfriend was there and she wanted to bet the race and and we had a talk i said like, if you hit this race you don't celebrate and if, if he doesn't have the winner because there's nothing that irks me more that you know if you're alive to three or four thousand dollars and somebody next to you has five dollars to win on the horse that just beats you out of a big jackpot that drives me insane that makes me want to fling somebody over the rail <laughs> you know so that, that that's just something you need it's it's uh it should be some type of protocol, you know, decorum. you just, you know, yeah, it doesn't just,
0: bother me, but I, it doesn't bother me personally, but I can understand where you're coming from. And you're just talking about racetrack decorum is what you're talking about.
2: Right. Right. So hmm. anyway, yeah, that, 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 that really uh, gets my goat. But uh, <laughs> I'll tell you another thing that uh, popped into my brain. Uh, I hate on Twitter when people give out their selections and don't <laughs> give out any analysis i agree i don't really understand that either you'll see people put they'll pick four horses in each race five dash six dash three dash two and then secondary four dash two dash one dash eight i could care less what you what order you think they're going to finish in. i want to know why you think this horse is better that what's your strongest opinion on the card i want to know i want to know you know if if you like five four six three do you like five way better than the 463 or do you like 546 better than the three? I think to me that's lazy handicapping. I completely and I, agree. Know, and there's absolutely no reason to do that. But
0: I will tell you this too and, and, and follow up on that. That's not just like uh, people who use Twitter and social media. There are analysts who do that. There are right. racetrack personnel that do that. And that, right, you're right. That's that's that, that neutered program selection thing that we grew up with uh, when the the guy at the bottom of the program would put the top four choices in the morning line as his selections. And you're right. That's lazy. That doesn't teach. And you, the, this is a difficult game to learn. And, but once you get into it, you get the hang of it and people will hold your hand and walk you through it. It's a fun game to learn. And so that's part of that is teaching, encouraging others and explain why you like or dislike a, a horse and, in, in all the uh, different facets. So I'm with you on that one. That's a good, that's a good one. I would not have thought of.
2: All right. Now I'm really in a bad mood.
0: So, uh, you should hey, wait, folks, you, he should not be in a bad mood because if you've been following CC for a while on Twitter, he has been drilling bet shares. If some of you have been fortunate enough to uh, follow his tickets and play along with them, he has made you some money in the last few weeks. The guy has been on fire, not only in the bet shares, but his personal betting, I can attest to that. So, uh, he may be, he may be a little irritated at the moment, but his wallet and hopefully you guys wallets, uh, probably make up for that recently so i, I just wanted to uh, give cc some acknowledgement on that he's been doing excellent with the bet shares well i appreciate
2: yeah.
1: that uh go
2: ahead every good
0: every good gambler
1: always has a short-term memory so he's That's riding true. high who for who i don't who who remembers a loss cc's not on a loss craig <laughs> chad killing it right now <laughs> he's got a bunch of first names anything you want to follow Follow the Auxiliary Gate podcast on Twitter, and you're going to see the bed shares pop up. I'm a little disappointed. I had to work all day, so I didn't. I didn't wasn't on Twitter, and I didn't get to t- partake in the sharing of that bed share. Me either, but, but that's okay. But congratulations.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> now I, I going forward. The bed share is going to be part of my my toolkit because I think that's a great. It, you're right, you're right. It's a great friend to have because, uh, you know. It, nowadays it feels like you you've almost if you want to hit a big pick four pick five you you almost have to play a monster ticket and you know i i don't have the budget to do that kind of stuff if i did that i'd be out of the game real quick after you go on a, a losing streak but if you can lay some of that that risk off on some friends or some people willing to to go partners with you that that's that that helps out a whole lot so you know that that of course, I love Keeneland. Anyway, Keeneland's my chance to get even on the year most most yours. <laughs> and uh, you know I've done just that today uh, today alone. So, you know, I, going forward, I, I have to use this bet share from Twinspires, and uh, you and, it, know, and you uh, know what, it
0: helps it helps people with the smaller budgets. It helps people who are novices how to learn how to play. There's a lot of there's a lot of benefits to it and uh you've been making the money on top of it too so that's always fun to get so it's a nice tool i need to use it more often but uh i want to make sure folks pay attention when cc posts one of those folks
2: all right so uh let's transition let's transition into the and uh the saturday's a big day of course you know we're about two months behind on this but uh, saturday's bluegrass steaks day and normally it's the uh brandon put your
1: dog up sorry they're going crazy for some reason i apologize
2: they're excited about the the podcast i guess but uh yeah the the bluegrass is uh you generally uh you know one of the main derby preps and uh, now now it's on the calendar two months prior to but uh i always i always love this card there's usually a a chance to make some money and uh we're gonna dig into it right now Uh, let's start with. Race two. This is a two-year-old maiden race. Generally, when you have a, a maiden race at Keelan, you've always got some standout pedigrees or some some really nice uh, uh, babies getting ready to make their debut. But I'm not finding it on this uh, in this particular race. I mean, I'm I think you got to lean toward the nine, the ride of a lifetime. This is a second time start, uh, second time starter for Nacho Correas, who actually won today for Allen, I believe, uh, in the uh, in the fifth race. Is that correct? they, they I had uh, him.
0: Embellisher that
2: was McPeak. I don't know. Who, uh, oh, Embellisher. You're right. The Kettle uh,
0: Kettle Kettle, uh, Kettle, Kettle Valley
2: Kettle Valley. See, Brendan Wallace. Yeah. Yeah. Kettle. They, they won for the uh, for for Correa's today, but uh, he he uh, makes the second start for uh, for uh, that barn, and, and Jose Ortiz takes them out. This horse uh, took some action first time out, nine to one for the barn, and and he ran second to a to a, 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 a nice. Nice runner and Jackie's Warrior. I think this horse is ready to move forward. Now, I, I Unless there's something that pops up that we don't know about, I mean, I think this is the one maybe you need to single in your early pick four. Now, I will point out some pedigrees in here. Number four, Snake Doctor, is a son of Oxbow out of Rare Event. This is a half-brother to Improbable who, uh, who was on the Derby Trail last year for Bob Baffert, and he won the Santa Anita Handicap this year. Uh, the five horse is Palazzi. This is a uh, five hundred and ten thousand dollar yearling purchase. He's a son of Pioneer of the Nile out of a mare Kendall. Now Kendall hasn't produced a whole lot, but uh, she was a stakes winner. She won some minor stakes, but she was also great at stakes place on grass in California. So, you know that might be a horse to watch. Uh, it's interesting that Cassie legs up Adam Biskitza for this for this race. Uh, those two don't have a really good history together, so I don't know what to make of that. Uh, also, number eleven fire at will sometimes mike maker will pop in with a good two-year-old every once in a while this is a ninety-seven-thousand-dollar son of declaration of war if you go back into his pedigree a little bit he uh, you'll find decorated invader who's one of the top uh, mm-hmm. top milers one top three-year-old milers in the country right now but you know for me i think uh i don't see a lot of standouts other than uh, the nine horse the ride of a lifetime so likely my first play will single this horse so uh Let's turn to race three. This is a uh, an allowance race for fillies and mares, three years old and up. It's a other than six and a half furlongs. Uh, Alan, I know you you like a horse in here. Uh, who do you who do you favor here?
0: Like, you know, this, first off, this uh this this one x allowance race is a really really good race. There's a lot of talent here. There's some horses that they could go up big odds. Uh, that can contend in this race. Uh, tipsy Gal, she can't sing. Remanded. I could go on and on and on. Vanilla bean It This this is an excellent race. I am going to try for Oxo uh, Equine, who just won this week with Gray's Creek. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked excellent. Uh, Brad Cox and Joel Rosario with Monday Call. What I like about Monday Call was a hot horse at Saratoga on debut. Uh, was supposed to be the goods. Got nipped by a second-time Steve Asmus horse horse called Lotta Ott. Um, so the horse did not disappoint uh, him, herself that day. They thought enough of her to put it back in the uh, spinaway in her second start, and that didn't work. Um, finally, get her to Del Mar. She breaks her maiden out there for Don Chatlos. Chatlos trains for OXO Equine, but they transferred her to the barn of Brad Cox. Into Mischief, $950,000. This horse was hyped on debut. Uh, comes back in a spot, not an easy spot, I will say that. I like the fact that Brad Cox has her. I know. I know they think a lot of this horse. Uh, been working really well. Again, there's some ways to go in here. I'm, by no means do I think she's a slam dunk, and that horse has a big shot too. Uh, but I will. I will side with Monday Call.
2: Okay, let's turn to race four. This is the Appalachian Stakes, and this is a mile on grass for three-year-old fillies. And boy, this race came up weak. Uh, yes, there's sure not did. much in here. Uh, Brandon, do you have any opinions on? Uh, on the
1: Appalachian stakes. Well, if it's that week, we should have entered my horse in it then. Dream. But she's, <laughs> she's not ready. She's not ready. You know, the morning line favorite alms, you know, at, at six to five with Javel Rosario in, you know, on the irons. I, you know, you got to look there. He's always hot when he rides. Is it that simple? Enola Gay, I mean, we haven't seen that horse all year. Uh, you know, could this horse actually fire? The works don't really indicate much to me, but uh, I did notice that right off the bat as we were just kind of going through. And, uh, you know, a few other little standouts, you know, Walk and Marrakesh. Uh, but there's only six-horse fields, so there's not much to choose from. So you got almost find a single, and I'm going to take alms. I,
2: I will say uh, number three, Evil Lynn, catches my eye a little bit. Uh, you know, Mike Maker does a... a a lot of good with horses that he claims and if he sees fit to run her right into a stakes i think he he probably thinks this philly's got a little talent now, she ran a big number last time and uh, that was a claiming race but i mean she she was claimed out of that by maker and he adds tyler gaffleone on who had a huge Churchill downs meet. i think uh if you're going to single early on with the uh the two-year-old race i think you've got to include evil lynn here uh you know this might be a, a case for an all race but uh Let's uh can, I say,
0: uh. can I say one thing about that race real quick? Uh, yeah. I would rather take Alms at six to five than I would walk in Marrakesh at nine to five. I, I'm a little surprised that the odds are that close on those two horses. Uh, I, I would think Alms would be a little bit heavier favor than that. That's 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 my only uh take on that race.
2: All right, let's uh, let's really get into the meat of the card now. The, the fifth race is the start of the pick five. So make note of that. It, it's not the last five races on the card this time. It looks like it's the uh, it's going to be an all stakes pick five, and it kicks off with the Grade One Madison Stakes at seven furlongs. It's a two hundred fifty thousand dollar race. Uh, this is this, this is going to feature some of the best uh, mares, fillies and mares in training. And right off the bat, you're going to get a Chad Brown at even money when with Guarana. Guarana won the won the acorn last year and also stretched out to win the uh, coaching club American Oaks. And she came back in a big way in a lounge race at Churchill on the slop going seven furlongs. but I mean, she dominated one by five links. I don't think she beat a whole lot, but she, she did it in a fast time. Uh, Alan, do we have a chance to beat Guarana here?
0: Oh, I definitely think so. I think uh Guarana would be on my ticket defensively. The horse may be a, a superstar. There's too many ways to go in here, too many accomplished fillies and mares in here that I would single go on. Either money, not for me. Uh, horse may air, and if she does, I'll, I'll tip my cap. Uh, you have Mia Mischief in here, who we all know is, even though she was flat last time, um, can easily win this race. Uh, Bell's of one, is on fire, loves Keeneland. I'm probably going to throw you off a little bit here, CC. My selection in a race where I believe about six or seven can win, not saying they, you know, they might, I'm torn between Sally's curling and unique factor. I'm probably going to side with Sally's curling because that horse is a one turn monster. I mm-hmm. don't know if she's quite good enough to beat the, this type, if she'll get the pace that, that she needs to, but this horse is the prototypical curling that loves seven furlongs, one turn mile, loves to make that one long elongated run down the stretch. Did it at Gulfstream has done it repeatedly I'm gonna to try to get Sally's Curling home on my ticket. I'm not sure she'll be ten to one. I'd say seven or eight to one is more likely. And I want to, I want to pull the plug on Unique Factor with P- Peter Miller. Uh, this horse is improving under him. They rush him right back and they rush her right back into this race after a, a pretty easy win against a good field last time. Seven furlongs. Don't know if it's her her trip. Maybe coming back too quickly. I'll side with Sally's Curling and all the while knowing there's four or five horses. They can easily beat her.
2: I'm right with you on Sally's curling. I, she ran a big race last time, came off the turn wide, and you know she earned a big figure for that. And they gave her a break. You know she's had almost what four months since that big race, so she should recover sufficiently. I think I'm with you. I think she's got a big shot. Brandon, what do you think?
1: Garana is a freak. That horse <laughs> is fast, fast, fast. Seven furlongs, perfect distance for this horse but you know we're all here to make some money so i love alan sally's curling i I think that horse could have a big effort here and you know come a little bit off the pace so you remember last time uh gosh who am i thinking of that lost a ton you know Mia mischief and and those horses uh with that uh what was that horse's name that Corey was on that day bells the one yeah so I, i don't know I'm like thinking that's how this race will set up, but, uh, you know, also I thought that had a chance is Wildwood's beauty. So I'm going to put that horse underneath. I, I mean, the last couple of works are super fast, maybe because you're asking for the horse to do a whole lot more, but you know, it's worth a shot underneath. I, it's not going to win, but Garana is a, is a beast.
0: Hey, uh, yeah. See, see yeah. let me ask you one thing real quick. Uh, what do you think about Bills and One ran so? We hardly talked about her ran so well. Loves Keeneland. Is there a possibility she bounces? Is what? What do you think about that? Or is she just that I, good right now? I would
2: I would give her the benefit of the doubt. She's two out of three at Keeneland. Uh, you know, she's had she's had what about six weeks to mm-hmm. recover from that race. I I I don't have a problem using her. I think.
0: Well, I'm going to include her. I just was wondering if you thought there was a possibility of a bounce.
2: My question is whether or not the race sets up for her. I, these, these top fillies, I think I think they'll, yeah. she's not going to bounce yet. She did run a big race last time. But I think for me it's it's whether or not the race sets up because you've got Guarana who's probably going to fall in the lead. And then it's a question of if Mia Mischief and Amy's Challenge want to go with her. Or, or even you know if, if Amy's Challenge just shoots to the lead you know they, they that might force uh, Guarana to take back and maybe try to angle to the outside and and make a rally and then, then you know then she'll become just like the rest of them they'll all be chasing the leader so uh, it's it's an interesting race i i think uh, i think here's your chance to try to maybe catch a price here and I, I i'm i'm with you on Sally's curling i'd also use, like you said Bells the one and uh, you know Mia Mischief has a chance as well um now the next race is really really difficult it's the Shaker Town Stakes uh Uh, this starts a, a pick four and this is five and a half furlongs on the turf. These are the good turf sprinters. And I'm telling you what, uh, the, the, the morning line favorite is bound for nowhere. The eight horse for Wesley war. He's only run maybe four times in the last two years, but uh, he he's, he's one fast son of a gun on his day. He's won six out of his 13 lifetime starts and he's never been off the board, but once at Keeneland that's only in four starts, but he's ran some huge races here. Uh, I mean, this this thing is really deep. So, Alan, uh, what do we do here?
0: I tell you what, you you know me. I I love Bound for Nowhere. I, the horse I've been wanting to single and bet every time I've wanted to say hey, this is the day we get Bound for Nowhere. The horse scratches. Seems like the horse has scratched three or four times in the last year. Uh, I think the horse is a crack sprinter, but the lack of racing, the lack um, the, the the continuous layoffs. I'm going to go against my better judgment. I'm going to side elsewhere. Obviously, I'll use the horse. But um, I am going to go with a horse that I believe has proven that um, he was born to run on the turf, and that's Totally Boss. If you saw Totally Boss's last race, he got eliminated. Uh, as a matter of fact, it happened the last two races. It kind of throws his form off a little bit. Ran the, in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint, had some problems there. Got completely wiped out at Churchill, uh, but before that, the horse really found a home on the grass. Uh, has run well at Keeneland. Uh, Brian Hernandez rides well. I, my only concern is that she has gotten up out of that last race where she got stopped cold to uh, give her a decent prep for this. Give him a decent prep for this. I think the horse has a big chance at eight to one. Again, the field is deep. Um, But I'm I'm going to take totally boss in this spot.
2: I should note that uh, also on this morning line, there's a cold morning line favorite. There is. Yeah, number two, Wildman Jack. I don't think this is the greatest morning line in the world, but uh, Wildman Jack is five to two as well for Doug O'Neill. Brandon, uh, where are you at in this? Are we going deep, or do you have one that stands
1: out? Oh, yeah, deep. You know, turf sprints, you always got to go deep. So uh, I'm definitely with the bound for nowhere. I'm also with Texas Wedge, Leinster, and Wildman Jack because it's defensive, you know. Uh, But I I did not see Totally Boss, but I'm going to look to include that, I think. And the other horse that I thought had a chance, and y'all are crazy, you're going to say I'm crazy. Especially after uh, Wella Bled beat this horse. Uh, num- <laughs> number
0: five just might. Oh, you know, uh, I'm not going to give you any heat for that. It's Michelle Lovell.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 50 to 1, it's not really 50 to 1. I would say it's 20 to 1. You know, the horse steadied the last time out. It doesn't get clean trips, it looks like. Uh, you know you never know in a five and a half furlong sprint and i want a price so that would be my price choice there i can't say i know the sire very often of justin phillip uh this They're horse is never yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> he, yeah he was a, a sprinter
2: course. for Asmussen yeah. for the zaya
1: yeah yeah probably a quarter horse but anyway you know <laughs> put her out there you know put them out there and see what happens uh you know the four-year-old still got it's got a lot of races for a four-year-old 16 it's quite a bit but um, I, you know that'd be it'd be a fun shot just to watch and i like the post position so uh just a tip of the cap
2: to rider uh alexis h hard uh, that, that race last saturday at ellis uh, uh that maiden turf race on sky ride that was alan that was your single that was a great great ride by him he's he's really he's turned the corner a little bit so yeah. you know i i I wouldn't toss him out just because of the rider anymore. Uh, I will say before we go on to the next race, I, I, I will use Fast Boat.
0: I, I was waiting for Fast Boat to come up. I'm glad you brought him up.
2: <laughs> yeah, he, he's come to hand for Joe Sharp. Uh, the horse ran well at Keeneland last fall in a, a turf allowance race, and then he just blew the doors off the of bulletin last time going five furlongs. So I think this horse is probably sitting on a big race as well. Uh, Let's turn the page now, and we're going to go to the Central Bank Ashland Stakes. This race is always good for a surprise every other year. $400,000 race for three-year-old fillies, mile to 16th. Uh, They use the short finish line here. The favorite here is going to be number two, Venetian Harbor, who last ran on May 1st in the fantasy stakes where she set the pace and gave way to, to Swiss Skydiver. Who is one of the top three-year-old fillies in the country, and we're going to talk about her in a few minutes, uh, Brandon? Can we beat Venetian Harbor here? Or, or, or?
1: No, no. I, you know, Venetian Harbor is very strong here in the in this. I, I, I you know, when you're going against Swiss Sky skydri- Skydiver and you come second, you know, not a, not that far off as a as a second-place horse. Uh, I, I think I think this horse will be menacing and, and always probably on the lead gate to wire. I, I do always like you know another play obviously, but tunnel is shape. Uh, is kind of the other horse I, I kind of eyed here in this spot. You know, Gulfstream Park shippers, uh, you, you know with sassy you know Safi Joseph, you get Tyler Gaffley on on the mount, who's done really well at Keeneland thus far, uh, seems to only take mounts that are live, or at least, he th- you know, that are very, very well contested in those races, so uh, it doesn't bother me the horse hadn't raced in, you know, two months, and um, I think I got something here, but I-, I don't know anything about speech, I've never seen the horse run, uh, I'd love to hear what you all have to say if you're looking to pick that, but... Uh, I think it's Venetian Harbor, uh, for sure, over tonalist shape, as well as I did see uh, perhaps Bonnie South might be in, you know, winning of the uh, the Fairgrounds Oaks. So uh, that would be kind of my, my trifecta, really.
2: Well, I'm not going to talk you off of any price here because we've seen our fair share of prices in this race. Out for a spin one this race last year, 50 to 1. And then you go back further than that, and, you know, you see, you know, see horses like Wheat No More, uh, those types. There's some strange things happening in this race. Alan, uh, to me, it's cut and dried. But I, I like I said, it, I, nothing surprises me in here. What, what do you, uh, how do you see this race being run?
0: This is an excellent. It's a very short version of the Ashland. It's a six-horse field, but it's an excellent version of the Ashland. I think you've got five horses who will legitimately contend in the Kentucky Oaks. But there's one horse in here that should contend today, and that, to me, it's Venetian Harbor. This race is a dream set for Venetian Harbor. Uh, She may not be the best horse in the race down the road. I mean, Bonnie South, Butante, Toneless shape and speech all have excellent futures ahead of them. But the short stretch, the lone speed, it looks like this race was made for Venetian Harbor to win. The the last race at Oakland, if if you saw the fantasy, her, Swiss Skydiver and Venetian Harbor hooked up from the get-go. They they, they went bang bang all over. And Swiss Skydiver, who's in the bluegrass later, wore her mm-hmm. down. Uh, but they were ten lengths clear of she. There's the, the Devil, who just won the uh, Indiana Oaks easily. um It was a big effort. It took a big horse to beat Venetian Harbor last time, and that's what Swiss Skydiver is. The shorts This is the mile and sixteenth of and That's the short stretch. So. Uh, they're going to have to come running and come come after her earlier to get her. I, I think it's her race to lose. That said, these horses may have more upside than Venetian Harbor. I mean, there's some excellent horses in here, but on this day, I'm going to I'm going to take the, I'm going to take uh, Richard Balta's horse.
2: Yeah, I think you do have to show some respect to the six horse speech here, though. No this, question. This, this filly ran gammon to a neck at Oaklawn in the lounge race. Of course, we saw what gammon did in her next starts. So he won the the Acorn Stakes by a thousand links last time you know so you know we i don't quite get why uh, castellano's riding uh, generally uh, mccarthy would go with pratt and i know pratt's going to ride on on some of these races so uh but you know speech speech is a, a fairly if she falls into a good trip trip i think uh if venetian harbor does come back you know speech has, has we'll have the first shot to beat
0: her i think you make, a, you make a good point there venetian Harbor's not right speech should be the one sitting off her flank and or not off her flank, but in, in the position. If she does falter, Speeches is, is in the garden spot. I think Speech could win the Kentucky Oaks. So
2: I'm a huge Mark McCarthy fan. We've already gone over that before, but yeah, any, any horse he sees fit to ship, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a second look at, for sure. So let's go to race eight. This is the Coolmore Jenny Wiley Stakes. Uh, another Grade One, three hundred fifty thousand dollars mile to sixteenth on the turf. And this is for fillies and mares, and this will feature the return, of, well, not the return, but the second start of the year for number four, Rushing Fall, one of the, one of the uh, top uh, turf mares in the country right now for, for the Chad Brown Barn. This, filly is, or this mare is four out of five on the Keeneland grass, and she's won about $740,000. So, you know, all eyes will be on her. I guess my first question to Brandon is, uh, do you know who Jenny Wiley was?
1: no i did not look that up before
0: prestonsburg
2: (laughs) what prestonsburg
0: that's what jenny wiley parks in prestonsburg kentucky
2: i didn't know that okay well jenny wiley was a uh, was a pioneer woman Uh, her family i think they moved here at some point in the early 17 or late 1700s or something like that and she her family was kidnapped by native americans and and she escaped and later on, Keeneland named a race after her. So that's where we are today leading up to 2020. Uh, Alan, uh, can we beat rushing fall here? I think you and I had a conversation about this last night. Uh, yeah. Where are you at on this one?
0: Can they beat rushing fall? Yes, they, yeah, they can. There's some good horses in here. I think rushing fall wins the race. Um, of course, we thought that last year on Oaks Day We, we uh, lost a big pick five when Toinette, who's awesome in this race, ran down Rushing Fall in a weirdly run race. I think Toinette's the number one competitor to her. The number uh, Flavian Pratt is a fantastic turf jockey. If anyone can uh, gun Rushing Fall down the wire, it'd be Toinette. I know Jolie Olympica has a shot, and there's some other nice uh, females in her. But Rushing Fall, when she's on her game, and she usually is on her game, she can sit off the pace a little bit. She can go uh, on the pace. Castle on her nose her. He rides her every time. I'm going to take rushing fall with with a nod to Twinette.
1: Yeah, rushing fall. I got to see that horse in person in the paddock in 2019 in Belmont. And the horse was just primo looking in the paddock. And then obviously went out and won that day uh, pretty much in hand. So, uh but, you know, I keep always going back to this Churchill Downs race that I lost to, to uh, Secret Message, right? You know, that horse that was 27 uh, or 25 to 1 or something like that. But in the mid of that grade 3 here at Churchill with Grand Motion. So I love Johnny V on the turf. We're going to try to beat, beat her. But, I mean, to me, she's a single. Rushing Fall's a single. This is my hedge ticket where I would exclude Rushing Fall. And – you know, look to either take the one or the three, which is probably going to be the one. Uh, and then also look at Jolie Olympica, uh, you know, shipping in for Richard Mandela. That that horse is pretty competitive. I think that sprint was just a tuner up uh, to go a mile to 16th for sure. And, uh, you, you know, I don't think Richard Mandela ships out for no reason. You get Money Mike on. Twinette is definitely a, a herder but I don't think has the speed to to hang with this bunch uh, going a mile, you know, a mile and 16. So I think she stops at a mile, and that that's kind of what I hope happens. But, you know, for a pick-five ticket, you almost got to take a single here, and then in a, in a hedge you want to probably take two horses.
2: Well, I will caution you a little bit on rushing falls, just looking back through past performances. You know, if you're going to take even money on this mare, you have to go back to April of her three-year-old campaign, where she won coming off the pace.
0: That is true. That is.
2: Now she did. She did rally from second in the Lake Placid Stakes uh, at Saratoga, and that was in August of her campaign. But uh, all her wins since then, she's won them off, you know, on the lead. Uh, Castellano's in a in, in a predicament here. She, she can't really. He can't really track Jolie Olympica, who's probably going to be on a, a on a lone lead. But you don't necessarily want to risk that Philly getting away from you. So what does he do? Does he does he track, try to stay within a length or two of Jolie Olympica, and then risk getting run down by maybe a, a mare like Toinette or even Juliet Foxtrot late, or does he you know does he just let her go and risk her going wire to wire? So I, I think that's that's an issue. Castellano is going to have to make a decision on you know fairly early in the race. So, you know, I I think there's a chance you could get an upset here. So I'm I'm gonna lean to a to a mare like Toinette, maybe to come come running late. And we know she's got a huge late kick. And, you know, Keelan Keelan's stretch in on the turf course can get kinda long sometimes. So, you know, I I'm probably gonna spread out here, probably gonna use Juliet Foxtrot, Rushing Fall, Jolie Olympica and Toinette. Nothing nothing outlandish, but I think, I think it was a shot that uh you know, we could beat Rushing Fall here. Something. You know, uh,
1: do, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Do you guys remember Altia though? Yeah, Altia's.
0: There's your shallow horse, Altia.
1: Yeah. I mean, that horse was. Remember, Joel had the mount and was way off the pace that day. I mean, I think dead last. And then rallied, super crazy, coming home for the stretch and just didn't get up in time because he let, let her off, or you know, let her off so far back. So that that could be, you know. Craig, when you start, like, planning out the race, how the race and the form and who's going to take the lead and set off the pace, that this is kind of curious. You got me thinking about Altia now.
0: Yeah, uh, Altea is not the caliber of, of, of a rushing fall or a Twonet on the, on the win end, but I think she had a little trouble in the, in the mint julep as well, too, and it's Joel Rosario, and I don't think the horse is good enough to win. I'm not going to say that she can't, but if you're looking for a horse to play underneath, Altia really, really comes to mind for me in that two, three, four slot. So
1: yeah, close. She's a closer. Yeah.
2: All right. So let's go to race nine on the card. And then this is a big, the big race of the day. It's the Toyota bluegrass stakes. Uh, this race has been won by some of the best horses, best three-year-olds that we've seen in the past. You know, horses like spectacular bid and Aladar uh, chief's crown won this race back in 1984 uh ali sheba won it and was disqualified in 1987 uh, It's a long history of really good horses now this race has kind of fallen on hard times in the last you know 10 or 15 years when they switched the poly track a lot of the big horses didn't contest the race uh now it's back on dirt of course and you know it's got a it, it's got a twist this year uh the philly swiss skydiver is going to uh, make an appearance here for uh, ken mcpeak and it looks like she is the, yeah she's the three to one morning line favorite here and she get she carries 118 everybody else carries 123 so she does get a five pound weight break. Uh, Alan, uh, I know you're a fan of Swiss Skydiver, but uh, I think you found another horse that you're you're interested in 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 this spot. Uh,
0: I did. And I guess the Bluegrass is as good a good time as any uh, to take a moment and thank some of our listeners that we know listen all the time like. Uh, robin kentucky sack shoes uh joe schmidt i'm sure i'm forgetting a few if i am justin golden uh so while we're thinking about i want to thank those guys for listening anybody that we failed to mention i know these guys probably have some too Uh, we really do appreciate everybody for listening so with that said we're gonna hit this bluegrass and there's a horse i do like here and i always try to fall not fall victim to the now horse mentality where people see a race and that's the horse. So I didn't want to do that here, but I, I went back and forth over the race, and I came back to the now horse. I, it's Art Collector. I, I like Art Collector here. Um, I think Swiss Scott Ever may be on another level, another planet, and if so, uh, taking on the boys, uh, tip my cap. But I, I'm going to try – want to see Tom Drury get a, get a derby horse. Um, this horse was spectacular. Churchill going one turn, then stretching out to two. Uh, against a, a four-horse field, but the, the horse he ran second shared since won the Indiana Derby easily a couple days ago Finnick the fierce uh, is no slouch either and Art collector did it uh, Easily uh, powerfully uh, like uh, distance will not be an issue Well drawn in here. The horse is uh, has the ability to go on the lead uh, Sit off the lead. I think she'll sit off to he'll sit off today I'm gonna have a ticket singled to art collector and if I win, I'll be happy. I'll tip my cap to some of these other guys in here. But um, I'm hoping Tom Drury gets, us, gets his derby horse here.
1: Wow. I, I definitely like the art collector play. You know, definitely to see because I've shared sense winning the Indiana Derby uh, yesterday. Uh, so I'm definitely going to pay attention there. I, I do like Swiss Skydiver. There's no doubt about it. But uh, – I think Basin is really going to have a great a great ride here. I love a two month layoff here in this spot. You know this horse gave a ton of effort the last two outs. You know to come second to Charlatan, That's a whole lot there. You know so that horse ran ran really well. It definitely had a good a good meet I thought at at Oakland because there was no other tracks open so you had a lot of competition there, and ran with some big big names. Mr. Big News obviously beat uh, Basin, but I, I, I just didn't really see a good form in that horse quite yet. Uh, it's been a long time since he's been on the track. Uh, you know, I just think that may have been a one-horse a one wonder there. So I, I kind of threw out, and I was kind of digging a little bit deeper. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm going to play for right now. Basin, I think Ricardo is going to give every effort like he always does. Uh, to be in the running. Uh, the eighth spot, I'm not real keen on, but uh, especially at Keeneland, but I think it's okay. I think, you know, Ricardo knows how to manage that 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 post and, and will do fine. You know, it's funny, you always got to look at where the Ortiz boys are, and so Jose Ortiz taking Finnick the fierce, I'm definitely going to pay attention to as well. Uh, but uh, it should be a great race. I'm trying to go two or three deep on a pick five in that race, because I think if you pick out just the real, the real uh, competitors of that race that have had and continued with good form and, and well positioned spots, you know, Scott Swiss skydiver basin. And then I'm, you know, I, I'm going to play maybe one other, just like I talked about, but it, it's, it's, it's uh it's a very competitive race. We could all be surprised. Uh, but I think, uh, that that's kind of where I'm going to lay for probably two, spreading two there. CC, just tell me, give me the magic spell, whatever the magic like wish is that you have, and and find us the right one at a price.
2: I'll be your Harry Potter here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I can hear it.
2: I've got a I've got a horse. I, I've got to use this horse in my exotics. This is number five. Man in the can this was bread yeah this could be the best arkansas bred horse in history this horse broke my heart april 17th at Oaklawn. uh excuse me you know, may 1st this was uh, uh the day before the arkansas derby this horse broke my heart i had kj's nobility singled in just about every ticket i had man in the can was a three-year-old facing older's older horses in this race this is in may this is unheard of really for a, yeah
0: you're right you're for right. a younger
2: horse to face older horses and, and he ran down kate no he didn't run down he got to the lead ahead of kj's nobility and held him off and and you know that that was a statement right there and he did it fairly quickly too and then he comes back june 12th in this allowance race and and they they liked him that day somebody you know they they unloaded on him he went off five to two in that spot and he ran a huge fig that day broke from a, a bad post and he ran down and Dean Martini who come back to win the Ohio Derby a few weeks mm-hmm. later. And also in that race, earner was third earner. I think we wound up running fourth last night in the uh, Indiana Derby. So man in the can is a horse. I think you've got to use. And I think, you know, Gaff Leon's going to have to work out a trip to win this race, but you know, this horse is fast enough. If you get a good price on him, I, I have no problems backing him at the window. I think uh, you know the horse that beats the filly. She's fast uh, on, on her day. That effort in the uh, fantasy stakes was uh, that was breathtaking to say the least for her to run down Venetian Harbor. And then, like you said, Dallin, they they finished ten lengths in front of uh, the, the the filly that has really come to hand lately for uh, for the Cox Barn. She dares the devil. You know, uh, Mike Smith probably suits this filly to a T. They're probably going to try to set up on the outside. Uh, maybe stalk the early pace, whoever that may be. Probably going to be shivery toward the rail. I
0: think
2: uh, so. Yeah, and, and, you know, they're going to try to go on by. I think she's good enough to win this. Plus, she gets five pounds, which is essentially a length. Uh, you know, that that's only going to help her cause. So, you know, for me, I like uh, man in the can. I like Swiss Skydiver, and I'm also going to use Art Collector because I think, you know, I think that horse is, is legit as well. So, uh, and then... Well, anybody else got anything to add to the to the to the Bluegrass Stakes? Uh,
0: no, I mean I, I I'm I'm glad you brought up uh, the Arkansas bred man, the can. That horse has uh, impressed uh, me quite a bit this year, coming from Oakland and went in against open company last time. Uh, that would be an X factor horse for me. I'm I'm hoping uh, you may have encouraged me to throw it on my ticket. I'll be honest with you.
2: I, will, I do want to add one more horse. I had this in my notes here. Number 13, Tiesto. I'm not going to use this horse probably because of the post. Uh, you look at this pedigree, though. They gave $600,000 for this horse as a two-year-old. He's a half-brother to promises fulfilled. And, I mean, that family is just delivered over and over and over. Of course, the, the mare is named Marquis Delivery. But, uh, you know, this horse, he might be okay on dirt. Uh, you know, the, the, the sire tis now, of course, he's, you know, it was a great dirt horse and sired a lot of really good dirt horses and like i said marquee deliveries i've uh, been a really good broodmare so uh you know that that's, that's a horse you might want to throw in underneath I, it's going to be hard for that horse to win from the 13 hole yeah uh, brandon what are we drinking
1: well uh just finished my last course light
0: oh wow. and wow.
1: it's my 41st birthday tomorrow fellas. happy
0: birthday brandon wow so
1: Craig, I, I would appreciate a bet share tomorrow as I've got to help my dad with his boat and the generator that's not working. So I'll be down in the bilge early morning on my birthday.
2: Okay. Well, good deal. Uh let's finish let's finish the card off here. Uh race tens mile and three on the grass. Uh, this is for uh it's it's uh two other than for uh Phillies and Mares. And you know, it looks like it's gonna be a heavy Heavy choice here of number three, romantic pursuit. You guys see anything else in here that you like outside of the, the heavy heavy chalk? This, like I said, this this may be the most important race on the card for somebody because it caps off a of pick four. So you know, what what do you guys think here in the last?
0: I don't have a strong opinion. Uh, Summer in Saratoga is in good form. I would have to have that on my ticket as well as romantic pursuit. And if it's Lapresti and John Velasquez at Keeneland. Uh, I'm going to have Coco Chanel on that ticket, too, going any sort of route of ground. Uh, the horse doesn't win much, but LaPresci uh, has a tendency to uh, pull one out of his hat on occasion. Uh, if I'm alive to something, or that horse will be on my ticket as well, too. I don't have a strong opinion, but I would definitely use those three, if nothing else. Yeah, Brandon. I'm going to go out,
1: outside the chalk here. I'm going to take the 10. The Ramses seem to always win a race at Keeneland. At 15 to 1 on uh, Speedy Solution, uh, I really like that, that possibility there. Uh, you know, especially on turf, going distance. You know, Kitten's Joy, anything out of Kitten's Joy on turf is always, you know, you must look at. Uh, and then I'm going to take the 4, which Coco Chanel. All
2: right. I'm going to spring one on you real quick here. In race 9 on Friday, if anybody's still listening, there is a horse that you need to look at. He probably won't win because this race really came up tough. And I know we do, we're we supposed to do Saturday, but I'm just going to just say tomorrow, this is, uh, this is Thursday night when we're taping this. And then tomorrow in the last race, take a look at the two horse, mine own star for Brian Nippenberg. Just go back and watch that last race for this horse. This horse has a little bit of talent. He's 30 to one on the morning line nice. and JD Ramos is riding Good rider. good rider he's a very good rider i don't i'm not sure that he can win this 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 race came up really tough for the level but this type of horse we talked about last week shiloh plays Superfectas. Mm-hmm. this is the horse that could pick up the pieces late and you know blow up your superfecta at 30 or 40 to one you know this 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 can turn a 15 dollars superfecta payoff into a 150 payoff you know for a dime so uh i i would say uh uh, just keep an eye on that horse on Friday. He'll be on my, my pick four tickets. But anyway, we've run long. want to thank everybody for listening. Alan, Brandon, I want to thank you all for joining us again. And we had a good time as always. Uh, guys, you, you want to add anything else to a, to a big Saturday card at Keeneland? Uh,
0: not really. I, again, I just want to thank everybody who does listen and those who will listen in the future, hopefully. And I hope everybody uh, has a successful Keeneland Saturday.
1: Yeah. And to go away, I just, you know, we our, our my little racing syndicates picked up two new uh, two year olds that are at Churchill and train right now doing a little gate work and things. Uh, we're still naming those horses, but I think I, I submitted a lot of good names into the syndicate. So I hope uh, they take both of them. And then uh, also it looks like we're going to point dream a little dream of you. Uh, to go to Ellis Park. So it might be the first time I I Mm -hmm. get out of my house and go with my friends to Ellis Park come August, either August 1st or the following weekend. So it's exciting times. Hopefully she stays healthy and, and, and right. And uh, hope to see everybody here next week on the podcast.
2: All right. Well, that wraps up a episode eight of the auxiliary gate podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And we'll be back here next Thursday night for more uh, exciting analysis. So I'm signing off, and everybody have a good weekend, and we'll see you soon.